You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A good Monday to all of you loyal Locked On Browns and Cleveland Browns fans. My name is Jared Mueller. I am your host for this Locked On Browns podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the biggest growing podcast network in the nation and here we sit we are through six weeks the browns are zero and six looking like the number one pick would be in the bag even after a bunch of games where they could have won so uh, best case scenario i think the browns uh, could have been four and two at this point i'd say the eagles game and obviously the patriots game uh, the browns really weren't in it but besides that the browns have been in four of their games Yet they, they end up 0-6, and, and so the big kind of talking point coming out of yesterday was the two-point conversion, and um, those of you who follow me on Twitter know that during Browns games, I control the official Orange and Brown Report Twitter feed, and that's at the OBR, and so um, with our over 20,000 followers, it's a, a place where a lot of Browns fans come to discuss things, and so uh, to kind of hear kind of what we believe, think, all that stuff. So I kind of control that account uh, during games. And you saw from me that yesterday when it happened, I thought Hugh Jackson made a mistake. I think uh, for the Browns, kind of for hope, for kind of planning purposes, um, all of that kind of stuff, it made a lot more sense to kick the extra point, get the lead down to eight, and then give the team hope for winning uh, with a touchdown and a two-point conversion then later in the game. And so um, that's not what Hugh Jackson did, though. And so while it makes sense to me that you don't want to, you know, when that two-point conversion failed, it felt like hope was lost, right? As Browns fans were thinking, oh, my goodness, well, we can't win now. Two onside kicks seems semi-ridiculous to think they could possibly happen. And so game's over with, you know, a little bit more than two minutes left. Um, And so that's kind of where I was. I still kind of am there from a psychological perspective. Um, I think for the team and for the fans, uh, it just gives them a lot more hope. You make that guaranteed extra point. And then then you have to hope for the uh, onside kick to work as well as then getting the two-point conversion. But you give your team uh, that kind of sense of urgency, that that sense of we can do this kind of mentality. Now, some believe that Hugh decided to go for two because he was going to go for two then and two after that when the Browns would have needed a, an extra point to tie the game, but two points could have won it. And so there's some belief that Hugh Jackson's plan was to get 16 points when they were down 15 while most people's kind of standard way of thinking is to go for uh, two and a one to tie the game and to go to overtime. Uh, Many believe that Hugh Jackson would have gone for two again, gone for that win, kind of like Jack Del Rio did with the Oakland Raiders uh, earlier in the season, kind of put it all on kind of that play, which if that's true, makes a lot of sense. And that kind of aggressive play calling fits Hugh Jackson. Since then, there's been a lot of conversation. I think the bigger problem now that we kind of see is that we have a lot of people who are very black and white. We'll talk about that kind of in the second segment uh, today. But many people just need to be black and white. They need to say either that was a good decision or that was a bad decision. 
But unfortunately, most Browns fans uh, fall on the line that it was a bad decision. But does it really matter? The Browns needed to get a two-point conversion. Either they got it then or they got it uh, after their next touchdown, which they ended up getting. But they needed a two-point conversion. So in the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't end up mattering too much. For me, the only issue is kind of the psychological advantage that uh, you would have going into make it your seven points, know you're down eight. Then if you can recover the onside kick, which they did, then you can uh, score your touchdown, which they did, and go for two points. And at that point, you have all this momentum, all this uh, rolling along that I think you may have seen just a different result. I don't know what it would have done for the team mentally, but I think it really would have helped kind of push them along two touchdowns in a row, a chance to tie the game, a real chance to kind of put a mark on things. I think psychologically it would have been in the Browns' best advantage uh, to do it in that order. Unfortunately, they did not. And so a lot of people tweeted out uh, an article by Football Perspective, which does a really good job of talking about why teams are foolish to not go for two after a touchdown kind of in the middle to late part of the fourth quarter. And um, really it talks a lot about kind of odds and, and where things are. And, and there's some there's some sense to it, right? If the In the end, the Browns actually had a chance to win uh, the game. If they recover that second onside kick, uh, everything's pretty easy there. Kick a field goal, goal from there. Where if they make the extra point with um, on the first touchdown, then they get the second touchdown, pretty much going to run out most of the clock and lead to a do-or-die kind of two-point conversion attempt. Um, which if they they don't get it, like they didn't when they tried it, then the game is over. There is no opportunity for them to win. Where if they go for that two-point conversion and don't get it, at least they have some opportunities. So we saw with the Browns, the opportunities were there, right? The the second onside kick got fumbled out of bounds, um, but there was an opportunity there. And so that's kind of what the football perspective Uh, conversation really leads to is maybe the Browns could have gone, should have gone for it with two points, or I'm sorry, for the two-point conversion uh, when they were down 15 to try to put themselves in position to then make that decision. Do they go to tie the game after their second touchdown, or do they go for two to try to win the game like Del Rio did? And so um, while I disagree with the decision, while that is the big kind of talking point, I don't think it much matters, but I think there is good perspective on both sides which tells you that it's in the gray area, that there really isn't a right decision, whether mathematically or whatever. There's not really a great decision to be made here. And Hugh made one that some or many believe is either equal to or better than the option of kicking the extra point then going for two. In the end, no right answer, but it creates an interesting conversation. What if the Browns kick the extra point get all that momentum, and then tie the game and go into overtime? Do they finally get that first win under Hugh Jackson in 2016? And if they do, how does that impact the NFL draft and what pick they are picking? The Browns have been in some exciting games, and so it's time to get your tickets. And the best way to get your tickets is at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, 
It's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. I have it on my phone. Uh, I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets when I'm not covering the games. I can be anywhere and just for a few taps. I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app. That's S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K. Go to the Settings tab and click on the Add Promo Code. There, enter my promo code. That's Browns. Enter my promo code Browns, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code Browns today. So speaking of kind of black and white thinking and and that kind of dichotomous, uh, binary, zero and one kind of thinking, at this point in time in the season, and really over the past, you know, five, six, seven years that I've been covering the team, it's become very, very clear that there is really two types of fans. There are the fans that that see development, look at development, want to see how players are doing, how the team is coming together, how certain pieces are missing that could really help other pieces, right? So uh, a running game that looks really, really good, but maybe has a center that's struggling, Cameron Irving. Some fans will see that and, and say, Okay, gotcha. I see what Hugh Jackson's trying to do. I see the talent of Isaiah Crowell or Duke Johnson. I see what Alvin Bailey, John Greco, Austin Pastor, and Joe Thomas, but they just need that center. They can just get that center position kind of figured out. Then there's a lot of talent there. Even though they were shut down the last two games, man, if they just had a center that could kind of take care of his business and not get the worst pro football focus raking I've seen in a long time, then maybe the Browns could have this really dynamic, good run game uh, to go along with Terrell Pryor and Gary Barnage and soon to be returning Corey Coleman. And and on defense, you know, if Joe Hayden was in, then it knocks everybody down or wrong. And uh, he could have really focused on on some of the, the receivers like Rashard Matthews and allowed everybody else to kind of um, be kind of taken care of and uh, or if they could just get that one pass rusher, right? If they could get that one guy that could really uh, get after the passer on his own without, you know, sending the the whole team uh, on a blitz, then wow, would that make our secondary look better? Or if there was a Troy Palomalu and Reed type at free safety that could uh, just kind of clean up mistakes, what would that do for the team? There's that those kind of fans who really are looking for developments. The fans that look at Cody Kessler and go, wow maybe there is something there. It's the fans that understand that if Dak Prescott was the Browns quarterback, the rookie that they drafted instead of Cody Kessler, it's very likely that the Browns would still be zero and six. That it's possible that Carson Wentz, if the Browns would have drafted him, the Browns would still be zero and six. And many people would be asking whether the Browns made a mistake drafting Carson Wentz. And that Maybe if Cody Kessler was drafted by the Eagles or the Cowboys, 
and maybe he would be the talk of the NFL. So there's there's those type of people. There's those type of fans that that try to get into the intricacies of the game. I'm not saying those fans are smarter than other fans. I'm not saying those fans are even right. But there's a type of fan that really is looking for the intricacies of what it means to be an NFL team, what that could look like, um, all of those kind of things. And we get it. We understand it in a way that is different than what what most people or most fans do. They understand the game differently. They're, they're hopeful. They're looking for reasons to be excited. And that's great. That's me. Uh, obviously, I said the word we. So, so that's me. I'm looking for the positives. I'm looking for um, all of the little details. Uh, I'm looking for the nuggets amongst everything that's there. And if we're real honest, there's a lot of junk there. There's some play calling by Hugh Jackson that I don't really love. Uh, there are some, a lot of play calling by defensive coordinator Ray Horton that, that really rubs me the wrong way, that really has me concerned about what he is going to be long-term. Uh, Chris Tabor, as the uh, special teams coach, uh, is seemingly a mistake. So, and then we have a lot of play calling that just, or a lot of players that just really haven't been uh, good. On the other hand, the type of development that we have seen uh, amongst the Browns players this year has to make you a little bit excited, right? And so um, one great example is Danny Shelton. Shelton was not a uh, good player by any stretch of the imagination last year. In his rookie year, he, he struggled greatly. This year, he's looked really good. Um, a guy on Twitter that I love to follow, his name's Emery Hunt. You can follow him at FB, I'm sorry, it's F Ball Game Plan, so football game plan. Uh, Emery talks about it. He said, uh, I love these two tweets. While it's easier for some to be like LOL Browns, what they're missing out on is probably one of the better player development jobs this year. Crowell, Pryor, Shelton, Campbell, the rookies, Kessler, Schobert, Agba, all look really good. So that's two tweets from Emery. And then you add into that Nassib, the fact that Coleman looked good before he was hurt. And you see a lot of development. So that's one side. That's the type of, of fans who who understand that there's there's some balance to things. And, and they want to focus on that. And then you have the other side. And that's, I'm just going to call it the wins people. These are the, the fans that they don't care about any of that. Win the game. These are the fans that when the Browns were winning, uh, with some kind of trickery and gimmicks and uh, really was a lot of smoke and mirrors or a very, very terrible schedule where they played a lot of uh, weak teams uh, in the past, um, you know, five years or so, 10 years, Eric Mangini, all of that. These are the fans that were really excited. Hey, we won games. We were 10 and six against some really crappy competition there for the wins. People, it doesn't matter. There are no, there are no excitement in a loss. There is no, positives in a loss. Cody Kessler, Kessler to them is 0-4. That's it. All that matters is if he wins or loses games. And so for these fans, it makes sense, right? They've been through a lot. As Browns fans, we've all kind of endured terrible, terrible football. And we've all had little things that have given us hope over the years only to fall flat. 
two just real quick were running back Ben Gay, who, oh, man, he's got a lot of speed. He's going to be so exciting. Or wide receiver Frisman Jackson. There's a, I mean, there, there's a list of players that uh, Carlton Mitchell is another wide receiver that have us so excited that the Browns are going to develop and they're going to be something. And they finally got it figured out. They're finally ready to turn that corner. All they need is and whatever that was, whatever was missing, or maybe it was the the week schedule, or maybe it was those players looked good, comparable, kind of theory of relativity, comparable to uh, some really bad players around them. It never happened. And so the wins people, kind of on that side of the binary, black and white, ones and zeros, for them, it doesn't matter. They will not be happy unless the record shows something. And so for them, even a win this week to go to one and six, and they're one and six. So while a win is a win, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of kind of their record. And so it's really interesting as we as we experience Brown's fandom, which again, it has to be, it's a unique fandom. Our team left, we got them back and they they've been a hollow shell. Just know that as you interact with fans, much like politics and religion and all kinds of stuff, there will be the binary ones who will say, great, I'm seeing development. Here's what I like. Here's what I don't like. Uh, here's what gives me hope. And there'll be the the other ones, which they'll say, it doesn't matter. Show me a win. And that's okay. It is okay that there are both sides of the, the fence. The question and the problem really are, do you recognize what side of the fence you are on, do I recognize it? And then the second part is, do I spend time trying to convince people that I'm right? One of my most frustrating things, one of my fr most frustrating things is the quarterback wins people, the people who say that this quarterback has blankety-blank amount of wins. Really? The quarterback got all of these wins? It doesn't matter that his defense is amazing, that he's got a great running game. Oh, we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys with uh, Ezekiel Elliott, a great offensive line, a actually decent defense, right? So Dak Prescott gets all the gets gets those wins, uh, even though someone like Cody Kessler or even Josh McCown or a number of other quarterbacks maybe could do as much, right? And so it's important to understand that there are just two types of fans. Which fan are you? And can we stop trying to convince each other? I'll do my best to stop try. I'll explain where everything is and what I see, but I'm not trying to convince you. You as a fan have a right to think and feel any way you want, the same as I do. It's just important to understand and pick your side, understand your side, be willing to change if you want to, and make sure you understand that you're not going to convince anybody else to think any differently. And that's okay. Because as fans, we can be crazy. We can be crazy all we want. As Browns fans, we know we're crazy. We have people who dress up in dog costumes and eat dog bones and bark at each other. And that's okay. Because that's what makes us who we are. That's what makes us Browns fans. And that's what makes you keep coming back to this Locked On Browns podcast. And we love you for it. So I thank you for stopping by today. 
Thank you for taking your time to talk and listen to me. And until next time, go Browns.